talk to you today about the church. I, I brought a good deal of this message last week. I'm going to kind of um, dust it off and present a little bit of it again just so that we can kind of keep some continuity with all of this. Uh, a, a few weeks ago, I guess four weeks ago at this point, I um, started a series that I called The Church, Humanity 2.0. Okay? The first, the, the first edition of the human race fell um, and is impossible to fix. That is the story. But not to worry, God was aware of all of it before it ever began. He knew that Adam and Eve would not be able to resist the lore of the tempter's solicitations. He knew that they would fall. So it wasn't as though somehow or another God was taken by surprise. All of that happened in the garden because it gave God an even greater opportunity to demonstrate his love. Romans chapter 5 says, God demonstrates for even, for scarcely for a righteous man would some dare to die, but God has demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Right? And all of this brings us into this new humanity, this upgrade, if you will, but it's more than an upgrade, it's a recreation. It can't be constituted as somewhat of a, a restoration or a fixing up of the old thing. The old thing has to die. That is, the, that is the whole principle of the Christian life. The old life, the life that we were born as, the person we were born as, all of that has to die. Unless Jesus says, unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it will remain alone. But if it dies, it will bring forth much fruit. And so the whole idea, like, like Paul could say, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. But it's not I who live, it's Christ who lives within me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself or sacrificed himself on my behalf. And so the, the whole thing is the old, you know, it's kind of like it's all put into a nice little context when John says about Jesus, that John's disciples come to him and they say, John, this other guy that, that you baptized a few weeks ago, man, everybody now is flocking to him. Nobody's coming to us anymore. What's the deal? And he says, well, that's just the way that it is. He must increase and I must decrease. And that's a basic spiritual, philosophical statement about any one of us. Christ must increase and I must decrease. And that's the, the route. That's the path to abundant spiritual life. So we're going to talk about the church again for another week, humanity 2.0. Um, and, and my goal is we're going to move this towards membership. And if you're not a member of the church, we want you to be a member of the church. That's something that you'll have to uh, take some steps toward, but I want to encourage you to take those steps and attach yourself to the church. There's a lot of information here today as to why that is a wise thing, why that is a soundly biblical thing that you would actually have a church family. So um, I'm going to throw this verse on the screen again because I love it so much. It's from the J.B. Phillips translation. I'm um, sorry about the resolution. I kind of got, uh, my, got my resolution wrong, I guess. Uh, so it's not, not quite as big. So you, if you don't have good eyes, I'll read it for you. And uh, it's, it's just as good hearing it. Um, so, uh, but this, this passage is so significant to me. I love J.B. Phillips. And I just love the way, and again, we're talking about humanity 2.0, the brand new thing. If anybody's in Christ, he is a, 
a new creation, the old things are passed away. Everything has become new, right? So th- notice how that is phrased in this passage here. As therefore, God's picked representatives of the new humanity. Let that just like float around in your mind for a second. Who are you? You are God's picked representative of the new humanity. You are, you may not be much, but you're all he's got. It's kind of the way it works. You know, you are a work in progress, okay? As I said before, you know, he he will forgive our sins and, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, I wish that would happen, pow, just like that, and we're all done. It is an ongoing process of life where the Lord just reveals to us over the course of time how destructive sin is. And how foolish it really is. And little by little, you look at that and you think, all right, I don't want that to characterize my life anymore. I don't want my life to be identified by that. I want my life to be identified by, the, by, a, by a standard of righteousness, by a standard of holiness, by a standard of moral goodness, right? All of these things are fundamental. So let me get back to this. As therefore, God's picked representatives of the new humanity. That's who you are. Purified. And beloved of God, um, <clears throat> a beloved of God himself, be merciful in action, kindly in heart, humble in mind, accept life. There's two words right there you should put on your refrigerator and just put a, put a scripture reference to it. Because life could be so much less troublesome if you would just accept it. You know, that sounds like such a silly thing to say. Sounds like such a, a simple thing to say. And yet how often do we just struggle and wrestle with something or with one another or with a problem or with a burden or whatever and you're so frustrated and you're so stressed out by the whole thing and it can all be kind of put in its own proper category by just taking those two words down and saying accept life. Sometimes you'll get a curveball or a screwball or you'll get a slider, or you get something that you can't. There, there's, it's just important for us to accept whatever the reality of life. It's kind of, I don't know if I'll get it right, but it's that serenity prayer. God, give me the strength to, God, give me the knowledge of things I can change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Does anybody actually know that better than I do? But, but again, like, Again, being able to look at life and say, okay, what I can change, let me work on it. Let me get after it and do something about it. Let me do something in my own life that will affect my world. And there's many things that any one of us could do right now today that would simply bring our lives into greater conformity with Christ and with the, uh, the kingdom of God. But there are some things you just can't change. There's some things you just have to let them play, let them ride and just determine, I'm gonna have the best attitude that I can possibly have about this thing. And that's where the gold actually is. So, as therefore God's picked representative of the new humanity, purified and beloved of God himself, be merciful in action, kindly in heart, humble in mind, accept life, and be most patient and tolerant with one another, always ready to forgive. If you have a difference with anyone, forgive as freely as the Lord has forgiven you. And above everything else, be truly loving. For love is the golden chain which binds all virtues together. Love is what it's all for. Love is the flower at the top of the stem. Love is what God is uh, looking to, to have blossom forth from our life. So last week I posed the question, why is the church 
the most important thing, the most important group, the most important endeavor that is happening on planet Earth. And I gave you eight reasons. I'd like to just go back through that for a second um, with, uh, with associated scripture verses, just to kind of get back to that and, and lay a foundation. First reason, the first reason why the church is the most important thing on Earth is the church is God's family. What is God's family? Well, here's how Paul um, urged Tim, Timothy to be uh, to to um, handle himself or to behave himself in terms of his relationship with the people of God. He said, "I'm writing these things to you now, so that you will know how to live in the family of God. That family is the church." of the living God, the support and foundation of the truth. We are members of God's family because we have been born into God's family. It was a decision made by God. God made the decision to put his spirit and his grace upon you. Jesus says, no one can come to me except the Father is drawing them. So if you found yourself like becoming a person of faith, and all of a sudden, all of these, uh, you know, or this is making sense to you, and you're finding yourself like believing and drawing near and wanting to learn more. That's all because God decided to work on your life. Um, It's phrased very beautifully in in John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, in terms of God's initiative Um, in your spirituality. It it starts by saying the previous verse says he came into his own and his own did not receive him. But it says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. God decided to give you spiritual life. God gave you new birth. God decided that on his own, and you are the living trophy. You're, the, you're the, the living example of what God is doing in the world today, one of God's hand-picked representatives. So, I, I, um, Jamie, a, week, a few weeks ago, was preaching from 1 John or chapter 3, and in that third chapter, I mean, all throughout the, the, the letter of 1 John, you can hear the enthusiasm, the excitement that John is feeling about everything that he's sharing with you. I write these things to you, my friends, so that the, it will make my joy complete, right? In chapter three, he says, beloved, what kind of love is this that God has loved us with that we now should be called the children of God? All right? What kind of, like he's just blown away with this agape thing, that there is a love in God, that there is a, a kindness and a goodness and a benevolence in God so great that he would look past all sins, all transgressions, all Uh, past offenses, all of it. He would just get past it and he would provide a way whereby we can just come into his presence and not have to be ashamed and not have to grovel and beg, but simply come before him because we have been cleansed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Incredible, right? So God himself decided to bring you into his family and the church is the most important thing in the world because it is God's family. Number two, this, this is uh, an awesome thought. The church is the reason that God created the universe. You say, oh, that's a bit of an overstatement. Wouldn't you say, Pastor Steve? No. The church is the reason that God created the universe. If there was no church, there wouldn't be anything. Because the church is the point of all of creation. Because God, from the beginning, when he started his creative endeavors, he decided that he was going to have a family. 
Because the love that is in the heart of the divine being wants to be extended out to the greatest possible extent. Even where it says, um, and, and, and above all other things, be truly loving, for love binds all the virtues together. So God wants us to receive his love and then to be able to express and share his love, transmit it to others around us. And that's what heaven is going to be all about. So it's a warm-up. Come on. It's a warm-up. Right? We're just practicing for what it's going to be like when we, when we actually love. And it also helps us to learn what the price and what the cost of real love is. Sometimes we think, yeah, God loves me. Of course God loves me. Everybody loves me. Right? But in fact, God's love is, is a, a different kind of thing. And we so often take it for granted that God is feeling affectionate feelings about us. That's what we mean by God loves me. No. God is not feeling affectionate feelings. Oh, Mike, he's such a, he's such a joy, right? Aaron Nicholson, ah, couldn't live without him. No, God is loving us because God is love. It is his nature to love. And so that love is being given to us undeservedly, absolutely undeservedly, right? Just like the Romans 5, 8 passage before, which is, but God has demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so um, it was to extend his, the love that is within himself that he began to create other angels and people like us and all, the whole thing. But the whole reason for it is the, the church is the reason that God has created the universe. Let me get back to, uh, here's a, a passage of scripture from Ephesians, from Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. Long ago, even before he made the world, God chose us to be his very own through what Christ would do for us. Long ago, before he made the world, right? So, um, so the whole purpose out of all this, the whole purpose, the most important thing that's happening right now is Jesus is building his church. I'm so glad he's building one here. Aren't you? I am so glad he is building one here. I am so thankful to be a part of it. And, and what I want to inspire in all of us is a, a, a deeper sense of the significance of this so that we will all become super productive and active in trying to express this faith that we have to as many people as we possibly can and fill this place up so that there is not a seat here or a place to park a car here on Sunday morning. Is that too much to ask? Should, isn't that what we should be doing? Right? It just all we lack is a little bit of motivation for this. Just the, a willingness to risk a little bit. A willingness just to share our faith with somebody else. But that is what we are here to do. And so I'm trying to just kind of generate a little bit of excitement and, and, and uh, just some fresh enthusiasm about what it means to be a part of the church because it's easy just to kind of get, fall into a status quo, you know, this is, uh, the way it's always been and all that kind of stuff. And it doesn't have to be that way. It can be fresh. What God is doing right now is fresh. I've been watching what God has been doing here for 30 years. It has changed seasons, changed season over and over again, but God's always doing something and I'm really blown away by what he's doing these days. So anyway, before God made the universe, he was thinking of us. He secured our salvation. He secured our reconciliation at enormous personal cost. What does it cost you to be a Christian? I, we know what it cost him, right? So let's keep that in mind. That's how much you matter to God. If God didn't want a church family, nothing else would exist. Number three, 
God is using his church to fulfill his eternal purpose. Ephesians chapter 3 and verses 10 and 11 tells us what God had in mind. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. God wanted his family to be the illustration of his love and his wisdom and his righteousness and his goodness. In other words, that is our motivation to want to lead or live good lives, good, solid, upright, moral lives. You know what's amazing is that people who are following the most corrupt, deceptive ideologies are gung-ho to present everything that their false, twisted ideology is about. They are out, they have no shame, they are are not reserved in any way from pushing their ideology right down everybody's throat, but you and I are kind of backed off as believers. And I think when the church decides that, that when the church, when we settle it in our mind, in our heart, that this, I am so privileged to be a part of this thing, and this is what it's all about in this world right now, and I'm going to do what I can to move this rock forward, to roll this rock even up the hill or whatever it happens to take. The more we get that kind of an attitude, the more we will see God's blessing on what we're doing and what he's building here. Hello? Right? Okay, so, so it's really important. It is, I, I think it is amazing that people with the most vile, ridiculously twisted philosophies are like all excited about it. They're, they're proselytizing everywhere and everyone. And I think the church must rise up. We got to get past any reservations because we are living and dealing with the truth. And you know it's the truth if you actually live it. You know it's true. That's the proof. That's really the thing. If you really live this thing, you will know it works and it's true. Okay? The evidence, you know, is in the, is in, is in the doing of it. it the, 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 the proof is in the pudding. So, man, I'm... Got to keep rolling there, Pastor Steve, okay. Uh, So God is using his church to fulfill his eternal purpose. The next one, Jesus, why is the church the most important thing in the universe? What the most important thing in this world? Because Jesus died for his church. He didn't die for any particular nation. He didn't die for anybody's business. He died for the church. Notice what it says in uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. He died so that he could give the church to himself like a bride in all her beauty. He died so that the church could be pure and without fall. If you want to know how something, how valuable something is, see what somebody's willing to pay for it. If someone's willing to pay for something with their life, that's pretty valuable. And Jesus laid down his life, showing how valuable the church is. Christ died for the church. Number five, it is the only thing on earth that will last forever. Think about this. No nation, no business, no enterprise, no Starbucks, no McDonald's, no Costco, no Walmart. No, none of it is going to last forever. All of it is going to run its course and fade away. It will be on the dustbin of, of history. The only thing that's going to last on this earth forever is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how it's phrased in uh, Ephesians 3.21. Glory belongs to God in the church and in Christ Jesus for all time and eternity. Amen. All right, number six. The church is the only endeavor that Jesus said will succeed. 
In Matthew 16, 18, we're going through that last week. You know this whole passage, what happened in Caesarea Philippi, and Jesus asked who men say that I am, and they give some answers. And he says, who do you say that I am? And they all kind of scuffle a little bit. Everybody's kind of looking around a little bit. And, kind of, and Peter jumps out, and he says, I say that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he says to you, and I say that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And the big question or big controversy has always been, is, it, is the church built on Peter? Is he the rock? Or on Peter's confession of faith, what he said, which is the rock that the church can be built on. Because if you recall what he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The day you know that is the day you're saved. The day you, and I, I mean know that as in believe it, but, but believe it to the point that it affects the way you think and live, okay? That you realize that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And so anyway, that, that is the, uh, that's the exchange. And then Jesus says, and I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Got to move on here. But that's the only thing, the church is the only thing that will um, will succeed. There will be battles, there will be losses, there will be struggles, there will be times that we don't necessarily, it doesn't go our way, okay? But if you read the last chapter of the Bible, the good news is Jesus wins, Jesus is exalted, and because I am in him, I share in the victory. Hallelujah, right? It's not contingent upon me. He's already got it. He won the victory. It was finished on the cross, it's because we are in him that we will eternally share the, um, the, 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 the glory of the victorious Christ. Okay, um, next. There we go. The church is the only group big enough, diverse enough, united enough. Now, that certainly isn't the case right now, but just think for a second to solve global problems. Think if the church, every church, all two point whatever there are, 2.3 billion people on planet Earth right now that claim to be followers of Jesus that, uh, that are part of churches somewhere in the world, right? Think if everybody was lined right up. Think if everybody was thinking with the mind of Christ. Think if, if, everything, if everyone cooperated together. We would own the world without even trying and without even being haughty or being pushy or being tyrannical about it. We would own the world because we would just have a mindset. We, we would have the most volunteers, Right? We would have the highest motivation because the highest motivation would be love. Okay, So we could solve every problem that exists on planet Earth right now and ultimately will as the church if we were able to collect and, and, and be able to use all the resources that God has made available. So the church is the only group big enough, diverse enough, united enough to solve global problems. Let's see what... Um, Oh, okay, I think I have that wrong. Anyway, his intent was now that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus the Lord. Then finally, number eight, the greatest privilege in life is to be part of God's church. It is his boundless mercy that has given us the privilege of being born again so that we are now members of 
of God's own family. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The greatest privilege in life is to be a part of God's church, to say, I am a part of God's family, to be able to say, I am a child of God. uh, I got a, a call yesterday from... Um, Lisa Roussan, and Lisa Roussan, Lee, um, Lee Roussan is a former New York Giant um, who played in the 80s and was on the Phil Simms Giants team, and he was actually in, uh, I think, 86, he was uh, special teams player of the year. And uh, so one day I'm walking around church, and we, we were doing cable access TV at the time, and uh, I'm walking around, phone rings, I, I answer the phone, and uh, the guy who picks it, it's Lee Roussan that is calling me, and he had watched the program. He lives now in Flanders. And so he had watched the program, and, uh, and he was saying he liked the program. He says, I don't, he goes, I don't know if, if you know me at all. He says, I played football for the Giants years ago. I said, really? He said, yeah, my name is Lee Roussan. I said, yeah, I know you. You know, I remember seeing you on the football field. So anyway, um, Lee Roussan's um, having his 60th birthday. I think it's today, so they were asking me to send a little video thing along, and we've been pretty good buddies. He's my chocolate brother, you know, and I'm his vanilla brother, you know, so we just have fun with all that kind of stuff. And, uh, but it's funny because he's got, I think he's got two Super Bowl rings. He stands probably around six foot four or five. He's probably pushing somewhere around two, 50, 60, something like that. He's a big dude. When he walks into a place, you, you just kind of know. You must be somebody, right? And uh, so he, he says when he goes on airplanes and stuff, you know, like somebody will look and he's got the, a Super Bowl ring or something. Like that. So somebody will ask, who are you? And, and of course, it's, it's kind of tacky to get into who I am or what I did, stuff like that. And he says, when he, he says, this is my stock answer in trade. I'm a child of God. Right? I am a child of God. Like, like, let's get past all the other stuff. I am a child of God by faith in Jesus Christ. So anyway, the greatest privilege, is that not true, in life is to actually be a part of this glorious thing that God is building, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so... Um, the church is not someplace I got to go to. It's not an event. It's not a building. It's a family I belong to. And uh, the next question um, that comes up is... What are the benefits of actually being part of the church? And I'd like to list five for you. Five benefits of belonging. Number one, a church family helps me focus on God. Having a church family helps me focus on God. It's, is it easy to lose your focus on God? Yeah. Okay, to be... To be for, for life to have so many distractions and so many things that are going on, so many delays, disturbances, difficulties, dead ends, all this stuff that just is part of kind of slogging your way every day through life. It's easy to lose our focus on, on God and get distracted. And every once in a while, like every Sunday morning, like maybe Wednesday night, it's important to get refreshed, right? It's important to get refocused. <clears throat> Coming together as a church family helps me to focus on God. Here's what Jesus says. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. So when I focus on God, the bigger my God gets, the smaller my problems get. The smaller my God is, the bigger my problems seem. 
right? I remember a few years ago, J.B. Phillips, who is the author of the Phillips Translation, also wrote a book, wonderful book, great book. The title of the book was, Your God is Too Small. Right? When I'm overwhelmed by the problems and the cares and the troubles and the disturbances and the all frustrations that come in this, in this world, my God is too small. I got to get a hold of myself. So when I focus on God, if I got a bigger God, I got smaller problems. If I got a smaller God, I got bigger problems. So the church is a family that helps me to focus on God. Number two, a church family helps me to face life's problems, which are coming. Scripture says in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Well, Jesus said, I got one commandment to give you. Before I go, I have one commandment to give you. My commandment is this, that you are to love one another as I have loved you. Oh, that just put the, that just knocked it out of the park. The Old Testament standard was you are to love, one, you are to love each other as you love yourself. Well, how, I, how much I love myself on any given day is probably a question mark. But if I have to love everybody the way Jesus has loved me, you know, it's kind of the same standard. It says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, right? So it is the highest possible standard of love. And it's wonderful in this world to, ex- to actually experience that and to extend that so that I, we help one another to face the problems that we are facing. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That law of Christ is simply that we would love one another. Right now, um, you are in one of three situations. You're either coming out of a trial, you're in a trial, or you will be going into a trial shortly. But God never meant for you to go through your trials alone. That's the thing. And so it is wise and it's, it's helpful and it's good to, sh- to bear one another's burdens. And from time to time, when the Lord kind of like directs you towards somebody and they just look like they're off or they look like they're overwhelmed or sad or troubled or what have you, uh, it's important for us to step up and help others face their problems. So church family helps me focus on God, helps me fa- to face life's problems. Number three, the church family helps me to fortify my faith. Here's a passage from Hebrews chapter 10. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. To fortify means to strengthen. It means to make something stronger. It means to undergird something. When you get with God's family, it helps helps us to discern between what things are trivial and foolish and a waste of time and what things are valuable and vital and important to, um, to invest my time in. So the church helps us to clarify our values. If you don't have a fortified faith, you will fall for anything. The old expression is, if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything, right? And that's what we see, I believe, in the world all around us. People that have nothing to stand for have lost all contact and lost all hope and lost all confidence that there is a God that watches over this, over this whole thing and will put everything to right in due time under his own circumstances. But if I don't believe in that, then life just simply becomes a battleground down here. And I got to get all I can. And, and, and if I got to take from you to get more from me, no problem. Fine. 
okay? But the church helps me, it fortifies my faith, it helps me to keep focus, it refines my vision of what life is all about, and that is a benefit of belonging to the church. Um, Number four, a church family helps me find my place to make a difference. For just as in the body, just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. But as it is, God has arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. So there are things... You and I were born with a a desire to inspire, a a need to succeed, so to speak, right? We're not here just to kind of hang out or kill time or take up space. God has a significant purpose for every human life. He has a mission for you in this world. There are lives that will only be touched if you touch them. There are people that will only be reached out to if you reach out to them. And if you don't, that will be an extraordinary and golden opportunity that will be missed. There are people that you know, and God God has chosen you to make make you his ambassador to that particular person, to pray for them, to try to bring to them some sense of who, who Jesus is and what he's doing in your life and what he can do for you. So it is, uh, it is important to f- that, that in the church we actually can find the place where we can labor eternally and fruitfully so that the things that we do will wind up being laid up as treasures for us in the world to come. So um, let me just keep on moving on. Number five, a church family helps me fulfill life's mission. Here's a passage from chapter two. So if there is any encouragement in Christ... Any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Each of you should look not only on his own interests, but also the interests of others. What is your life mission? Your life mission is to love. That's what we are here to learn. That's the one thing that we don't know how to do by nature. We spend most of our life just being like the Dead Sea. You know what I mean? Everything rolls in and nothing flows out. Right? And also, I'm sure that you know that there is nothing alive in the Dead Sea. There is not a living thing in there. There's a bunch of minerals, but there's no living thing because water flows in, nothing flows out. And that sometimes is the way our lives are. We want everything to flow in. God, you know, God help me and feed me and bless me and all the rest of that. But you'll find that all of those things will happen to a greater degree of abundance the more you and I are predisposed to want to make ourselves a blessing to somebody else. Amen, Pastor Steve. All right. So uh, this brings us, yes, this brings us to the question of membership, and I just wanted to roll through um, five reasons why church membership matters. We're just going to go through these, and then we are done, but here's, this is to to stir up our thinking about if becoming a member, if you're not, or, um, or kind of activating your membership so that it's more than just, I'm here on Sunday morning. You want to be involved. You want to be a server. You want to be a worker. You want to be in in the uh, part of the effort. Number one, 
In joining a church, you make visible your commitment to Christ and his people. Okay, when you join a church, you make a strong statement that you are committed to Christ and committed to what this whole thing is all about. You make a statement with your life. So in joining a church, you make, you make your commitment, which other, other people cannot see your commitment to Christ, only in the way that you express it. And joining a church makes visible your commitment to Christ and to his people. Number two, making a commitment makes a powerful statement in a low commitment culture. Let's face it, today people are very afraid of committing themselves to anything. So marriage gets delayed, children get delayed, families get delayed, all, all kinds of fear and reticence about committing ourselves to another person, all of that. And uh, there's, a, there's a lot of reasons for all of that, but it's, in, in the world there are a lot of reasons for all that, but in Christ there's no reason for it. And, and making a commitment to Christ, what, notice the, or think of the words of Paul where he says, for I know whom I have believed that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto himself against that day. In other words, Paul knew that Christ would help him to, to everything. And Paul was fully devoted. He was fully committed. There was, a, <clears throat> there was a statement by Dwight L. Moody some years ago. And Dwight Moody said, the world has yet to see what, would, what it would look like for one, um, if, for one life to be totally devoted to God. The world has yet to see what it would look like for one life to be totally devoted to God. And he said, by the grace of God, I intend to be that man. And Dwight Moody turned the nation upside down. Moody Bible Institute, still part of his work. Priests, revivals, evangelized everywhere, touched thousands and probably tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people with his preaching. Making a commitment makes a powerful statement, but he had his commitment was fully in to the, to the gospel and to the um, to the kingdom of God. So when you make a commitment in this world, that says something to people in this, uh, in this low commitment culture that are around us. And number three, we tend by nature to just be over, overly independent. It's kind of the American way. It's the Western way, right? It's like, it's, it's definitely the New Jersey way, right? Right, it's like, welcome to New Jersey, now leave. You know, the New Jersey way is, is just not this warm, welcoming, yes. You know, you go to other places. I remember being in Bible school, and uh, we would be down Bible Belt areas down south all the time, preaching in churches down there. And you could be walking down any road, and car goes by, a person you've never seen in your life, beep, 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 wave. You know what I mean? People greet you. and so it's, it's just like the way the whole culture is in other places. Here, if somebody beeps at you, well, you, buddy, <laughs> Right? We're just living this very independent type of an attitude and mindset, right? And you want to work against that. So to be a part of something, to join up to something, to commit yourself to something is a way to act against all of that. And then finally, oh no, not finally, we got four. Church membership keeps us accountable. That is so critical. That is so important. If you are part of it, if you, are, if, you, if you regularly attend and make yourself part of this whole thing, if something goes wrong, someone will reach out to you. Someone will know that you're not around. And so it, it's, it's important. Church membership keeps us accountable. We've got to move on. One more final one. And that's not the one. Joining the church will help your pastor and elders be more faithful shepherds. Okay, we have these lookout groups, and lookout groups are like little groups of people that are, that are assigned to every elder. Do you know who your elder is? Do you have a picture of him? 
in your home? This little shrine, perhaps? Of <clears throat> but we, you, joining the church will help your pastor and your elders be more faithful shepherds, right? It'll give us the opportunity to do the things that we are called to do, which is to watch out for the people of God. That's our, that's our goal. So that's what we got for you this morning. I want to just be a source of encouragement that this is the greatest thing ever. You could not be invited into a more exclusive possible setting than to be a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to continue to grow. Nothing will ever shut this thing down. Nothing will ever stop this. No matter what happens, this thing is going forward because it is the heart and center of the plan and purpose of God. Because it is through this that God is calling men and women to himself and then transforming them into his own very people and, and beginning to just kind of populate a society that will ultimately endure forever. Looking forward to that. Thank God. So let's pray. <clears throat> if, you're not, if you're not a member, well, talk to it. Talk to me. Talk to one of the elders. Talk to Jewel. Become a member. In other words, if, you, if you're kind of sitting on the fence forever, that's just dumb. <laughs> it is, right? It's just dumb. If you, have, if you have felt your way around here, okay, I, like I would expect people come to this church, I want them to take their time. I'm not going to ask them to become a member in five minutes. You know, I, I want them to feel it out. I want them to meet some people. I want them to come to a bunch of services. I want them to hear what kinds of things we teach and preach and all that kind of stuff. And then if you feel it, because I, I think it feels good, all right? I think it feels good. I, it, it feels like God is in this place. It's exciting. It's dynamic. There's truth that is being presented. It's edifying. It's helpful. It's refreshing. It's invigorating, Right? Right? So once you feel it, once you feel it, then it's like, okay, I'm in. Where do I sign up? How do I become a member? Of anyway, should we pray? <laughs> All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for bringing us into your family. Like John, what kind of love is this that the Father has loved us with, that we should be called the children of God? It is absurd, and yet it is true. Thank you, O oh Lord God. Thank you for shedding your blood because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. But you, so you had to shed your blood so that sins could be forgiven. And we thank and praise you for being willing to do that. And without us asking ever, you went voluntarily to the cross, despising the shame, and now you sit exalted at the right hand of the majesty on high. Hallelujah. So we thank you, Lord, for what you have built here, this church. We thank you for bringing each of us into it. Help us to love each other more. Help us to serve each other more. Help us to know each other better. Help, to, help us to invest in one another. Help us to really reach out when there's times of need or trial or difficulty or whatever. Lord, make us a, a truly functioning body. Continue to develop the love that is in this place. May it grow and, and, and more and more and more. And uh, Lord, we thank you for what you do. May, may it just simply be um, a commercial, an advertisement for what life looks like <clears throat> when Jesus is on the throne. So thank you, Lord God, for your presence, for your blessing today. Thank you for making us part of this church. Can continue to do this good thing and we'll thank and praise you in advance. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said... Amen.